sometimes we we could lose sight just a little bit of what it means to be led by the Spirit. So much so because we have become accustomed to being in control. Even on this morning, you know, I, I had this, this message that was prepared all during the week. And then yesterday while preparing, you know, a little bit more for uh, the sermon today, I just felt like if the Spirit was, was speaking. And so I took a five-page sermon and got it down to two and a half pages. That, that means nothing. <laughs> that, 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 means, that means absolutely nothing. In, in, in the grand scheme of things, I'm just trying to be real. I'm trying to be honest. Right now, as, as we're able to just have an extended period of worship, I just want to get back to worship. And, and so, uh, I, I hate to do Elena and, and the translators this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to taper a little bit more the exhortation that I had in mind. I don't normally do this, but just allow me just to read this text one more time. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Gus did such an awesome job reading this, but I, I just want to read this over one more time. And as, as you read this, it's like, it's like eating good food. You, you don't just rush through good food. It's not fast food. You, you take your time and you, you, you get into the taste of it. You, you taste the ingredients. And so I want to suggest, if you don't mind opening into your Bibles, if you don't mind opening your phones or your tabs and just going through this text together and allowing this word to just sink deep into our spirit. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from this wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very 
courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in this law day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Do not be afraid, Joshua. Do not be dismayed, Joshua. For the Lord your God is with you wherever, wheresoever you go. If you don't mind, just repeat after me. Strength. Strength. Say it with some feeling. Strength. Strength. A requirement. requirement. Not Not. a a request. One more time. Strength. A requirement, not a request. In this text, I want us to appreciate. I'm gonna. I'm, I really want to get back to something. In this text, I want us to appreciate the encouragement that God gives to Joshua. Contextually speaking, this is a private moment that God is having with Joshua before Joshua engages in his public ministry. I know we could use this text, and and of course, God wants his people to be strong and to be very courageous, but contextually, I want us to recognize that this is a private moment between God and his servant. This is a private moment between God and his man. This is a private moment between God and Joshua. That is to say, as you read this text, while this text has some value for for the masses and while this text holds true and rings through for all of us at the church as the body of Christ, I want you when you read this text to see this text as a private moment between you and your God. So when God is having this dialogue with Joshua, it's a private moment before Joshua goes off into his public ministry. There's there's something to be said about the value of spending time with God privately. There's something to be said about God communing with us and us communing with God privately before we go on to the public displays of praise and worship. So God does something with Joshua 
privately, so much so to prepare Joshua for his external ministry. You guys with me? And so God says, I want you to dwell with me and I will dwell with you in the private moments before you get to your public displays. Sometimes I think we have it twisted around. Sometimes we look at the public display and not spend time in those private moments. We, we, we spend time looking at the public things, we, the public blessings. But before we could get to the public ministry, God says you need to have some private moments. If you and I have to be truly fruitful in the public displays of our walk with God, if we have to be truly fruitful as a church with public ministry, we better be people who are spending time with God privately. And so in this text, Joshua is having a private moment with God. He, he isn't waiting to, to get the glorification of what's going to take place publicly, but he, he spends this time with God and God does some things with Joshua privately that would make the public victories that much sweeter. You and I have come here today to worship God, and I hope we have come here to worship God wholeheartedly, and hopefully we have not come to worship God because we have been forced to come. If, if you have been forced to come here to worship, then you being here is not fruitful. If, if you have been goaded and, and, and prodded to come here, then you being here is not necessarily fruitful. If you are here just for a boyfriend or a girlfriend, if you are here because this is where your parents come, if you are here simply because this is where you have been for a number of years if you are here not but for the reason that you have come to worship God in spirit and in truth then your gathering our gathering may not necessarily be fruitful I'm just trying to help us to recognize that our public worship ought to come as a result of some private praise so we could worship God publicly in the way that it really is fruitful only because we have been spending time with God privately. So God is having a moment with Joshua. He's having a private moment with Joshua. And in this moment, he is encouraging Joshua. In this moment, he is commissioning Joshua. In this moment, he is preparing Joshua, not just physically, but he's preparing Joshua emotionally, mentally as well for the task that he would have to perform. And so God tells Joshua, I will be with you the same way that I was with my servant Moses. In other words, you have access to me the same way that Moses had access to me. And I, I, we need to spend some time there really quickly because sometimes we think our prayers aren't good enough to reach the throne room of God. And so we would ask people to pray for us. I'm not saying that we, we can't pray for one another, but sometimes we would have the mentality that I'm not good enough. My prayers won't reach the throne room. So I need to have somebody else pray for me. I want us to understand that God tells Joshua the same power and the same access that Moses had. It's the same power and access that you have. Church, I'm trying to help us to recognize the same power and access that our parents, our grandparents, our brethren that have gone on before. The same power and access that they had to God is the same power and access you and I have in 2021. 
So God is telling Joshua the same way that I was with Moses. It's the same way I will be with you. I'm, I'm not going to diminish my power. I'm not going to diminish my display simply because I have called a different person. You have been Moses' assistant. And in the eyes of men, you have been lesser maybe than Moses. But now has come the time for you to take over from Moses. I will give you the exact same access to the exact same blessings, to the exact same promises, to the exact same power that I had once given to Moses. And so God has to reassure Joshua that the same way that I was with Moses is the same way I'm going to be with you. But before I get to where I want to get to really briefly, I, I, I want us to, to recognize that there is a backdrop and there is a context to, to where they are right now. There, there are some things that is weighing in the background that allows this text to take up a little bit more meaning. It's, it's 40 years of wilderness wandering that is coming to an end. Uh, an entire previous generation has died out in the wilderness but for faithlessness. And so God has now allowed a new generation to be born and a new generation to to be bred, a, a new generation to be lifted up in the wilderness. And it's only when this new generation is ready and prepared does God say, now it's time to move out from the wilderness and go into the promise that I made to your fathers. And so there is a backdrop to this. And so God says to Joshua, Joshua, I have given you and the people of Israel this land. It is yours already. He says, but in as much as it is yours already, you still have a part to play in going in to this land and conquering this land. You still have a part to play in going in and displacing and going in and fighting with these Canaanite nations. So even though the victory is won, there is still work to do. I don't know if you're making some spiritual correlation to this, but it tells us in Scripture that God has granted us the victory, the victory through the person of Jesus Christ. But even though the victory has been won, church, even though the victory is already ours, disciples of Christ, that, that does not mean that we are absolved from work. So the victory has been won, but in as much as the victory has been won, there is still work to do. But God encourages Joshua. The only way that you will accomplish the task at hand, the only way that you will lay hold on this victory and lay hold on this promise is by remaining strong. So he tells him, be strong and of good courage. Look to the person next to you and say, be strong. Now look to the person on the other side or the back of you and, and tell that person, be strong. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong, young mother, as you embrace 
everything that life throws at you with a newborn baby and all the responsibility of being a wife and mother at the same time. Be strong, young man, as you labor in times of COVID. You may have got laid off from your work and there still is a lot of bills to pay. Be strong, single mother, single father. Be strong, young man or young woman that, that have made your way from house to house because your physical, biological parents have not been around. Be strong, Christians, as we go through the ails and, and the trials of this life. He says, be strong. Be strong. So strength here is not a mere suggestion by God. Strength here is not a request of God. Strength here is a command that God would have given to Joshua that Joshua must accomplish. He must hold on to if he is to receive the victory that God had promised. Watch this and I'm done. Come down to verse number nine. Come down to verse number nine. There are three reasons that God gives, and you could find more as you peruse the text, but there are three reasons that God gives to Joshua as to why he needed to be strong. Reason number one, as you look at verse number nine, uh, he says, have I not commanded you, check this, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid. So reason number one is because as he encourages Joshua not to be afraid, there is something in the history of the children of Israel thus far that God knows. There is something in the history of the Israelites that Joshua and others who might have been older would have been well aware of. That is, as you look at their history and at their past, the reason why it is the previous generation didn't step foot into Canaan's land was because of faithlessness as a result of fear. When you read Numbers chapter 13 and 14, it gives us the account of what took place before God allowed them or punished them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. You remember in Joshua's number 13 and 14 where, where God said, choose out uh, 12 spies from among the tribe and send them out into the land to spy it out. You remember that? And they came back and out of the 12 spies that came back, 10 had negative reports, but only two, Joshua and Caleb, came back with good reports. You remember that, that they said, yes, the land is in fact good. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. Yes, it is in fact everything that God described, but we are not able to take it. God didn't send them into the land to see if they could take it. God sent them into the land just to prove that what he was saying was true. So they came back. God sent them on a faith-finding mission, but rather than find faith, they saw all the difficulties, they saw all the obstacles, and it's something about human beings that all of a sudden when we encounter hurdles and when we encounter difficulties and when we encounter obstacles, our faith, it's almost like it crashes against a wall. And so in a time when they should have found faith, in a time when they should have said, well, we can't do it on our own, but thanks be to God, we are not doing it on our own. We are leaning on our God, the God that brought us out of Egyptian bondage, that God, the God that said, let there be light, and there was light, that God, the God that spoke everything that we know into existence, that God, we are not doing it on our own. We're doing it by the power of Almighty God. Instead of finding faith in their trial, they became fearful. 
So God, looking back into their history, understands and recognizes that because of faithlessness, because of fear, they were not able to see the promised land. So God says to Joshua, Joshua, I want you to understand, do not be afraid, because if you allow fear to seep into you, and let me, let me just say this really quick before we move on to the term number two. The presence of fear in you does not translate to the absence of faith in God. I need to make that clear. Fear is a very human emotion. Sadness is a very human emotion. It's not that if we have fear, it means that we are not faithful in the sight of God. It's if we allow fear to, 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 to take us and deter us from accomplishing the task that God has set out for us to do. So when fear replaces faith, and now we find ourselves straying from God's will, that's when it becomes problematic. You guys with me? So when it says that do not be afraid, it's, God is not saying don't have fear in you. He's saying don't let fear push faith aside and don't find yourself walking and living in fear. So he says, number one, I want you to understand that you ought not to walk in fear because if you walk in fear, you won't accomplish the task that I've set out for you to accomplish. So he says, be strong. Say, be strong. Number two, not only does he say be strong, don't be afraid, but he also says don't be dismayed. Don't get too frustrated. Don't get so overwhelmed that you, you give up and you, you give in to emotional distress. Let me show you how this works really quick. In the first instance, we recognize that it was because of fear and faithlessness, the children of Israel, that older generation, didn't get into Canaan's land. You guys with me? In this second instance, there is one particular person who, though he was faithful to God to a great extent, because of being dismayed, getting to the point of super frustration, when God told him to talk to the rock, he decided to strike the rock, all because he was dismayed with the people of God. He wasn't dismayed with God, he was dismayed with the people of God. So Moses didn't make it to Canaan's land because he allowed frustration and dismay to get the better of him. So in the first instance, because of fear and faithlessness, the children of God didn't make it. That first generation. But in the second instance, here is Moses, and he's totally dismayed. He's the leader, right? He, he is dismayed. And when God told him, you speak, when God gave him a clear and distinct command, he allowed his frustration. Doesn't it happen so sometimes? We, we know we ought not to say certain things, and we, ought, we know we ought not to behave a certain way, but we become so dismayed sometimes. We become so frustrated sometimes that we allow the emotions to get the best of us and it gets the best of us and it, it grips our tongue. And we say things as soon as we say it. We wish we could just take it back. So he says, number one, don't be afraid. Say, do not fear. But then number two, he says, don't be discouraged. Say, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. And the third reason he gives, and I'm done. The third reason he gives is because he says, I want you to always remember who is walking with you. There are going to be times in your walk, Joshua, that you feel alone. There are going to be times in your walk, Joshua, that you get frustrated. There are going to be times in your walk, Joshua, where you yourself become frightened, but in those moments, always remember who walks with you. I've never experienced this with my kids, but 
I've experienced it on, on my own a couple times. I, I had some cousins who were way bigger than I was. And I, I, I remember going to, to primary school, the equivalent, I guess, of middle school here. I remember going to, pri uh, to primary school. And, and there were a couple times I got myself in, in some pickles. That's the best way I could put it. In some pickles with some older kids. I was, I was a bit chubby and a little, you know, a little big, even for a small eight-year-old, nine-year-old. But these guys... These guys were, were big, they were huge, and so, you know, I, was, I, would, I would be scared to engage in interactions with these bigger kids, but I had some cousins that, that went to the same school. And so, oftentimes, when my cousins were around, Thomas, you mind? You mind? Come on, bro. When, 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 when my cousins were around, when my cousins were around, they didn't even have to be too close. They just needed to be at a distance to where I know they could hear and see what's taking place. I didn't have to be underneath them. I didn't have to be holding their hand. I didn't have to be hugging them. They just needed to be close. You guys get in this day. They just needed to be close enough. I needed to, be, to, to rest assured that they were close enough so that when I needed them, if I called, that they would step in for me. I, I don't know if you've seen this imagery yet, but, but God says here is what the, the reason why you could face your fear, the reason why you could face your discouragement and you could face being dismayed, the reason why you could go through this thing at times feeling alone and, and feeling isolated is because you have a big brother in Jesus Christ. You have a daddy in God. You have an empowerer in the Holy Spirit that walks with you and not only with you, but in you. So God says, be strong. Say, be strong. be strong. Let's stand. God says, don't be afraid. Say, don't be afraid. God says, don't be discouraged. Say, don't be discouraged. Look to the person next to you and say, for God is with you. So as we preach this sermon and we bring it to our close, repeat after me one more time. Strength. A requirement, a requirement, not, not a, request. a request. 